Hello and welcome to another episode of Inside OSU, Oklahoma State University's signature podcast. I'm Dr. Kenneth Sewell, Vice President for Research here at OSU. Our scientists and research scholars are conducting cutting-edge research in a wide array of fields, placing OSU among the nation's top tier of research universities. Even still, our amazing research can be hard for the public to know about on an everyday basis, as it's not quite as visible as OSU's highly ranked degree programs or championship athletic teams. So periodically, I host an episode of Inside OSU to raise the veil on at least one research area I think you'll find fascinating. In today's podcast, you'll sit in on a recent OSU Research on Tap event, a monthly interview show I host at Stillwater's Iron Monk Brewery. In this episode, my guest is Dr. Julie Engel, Associate Professor of Science Education. Our conversation focuses on how she helps bring together the scientists who do science with the high school and junior high teachers who teach science and how her own research shows the transformation this creates for students. Let's join the interview. So the goal of science education is to produce a scientifically literate populace. So what does that mean? Populace. So a populace. We yeah. want a whole, we want generations of science literate individuals. So to be scientifically literate, you can, we can break it down into three constructs. An understanding of the science content knowledge. An content. Obviously, if you're going to be a biologist, you've got to know something about biology. Right. Yeah. Physics, chemistry, right. microbiology, brewery. Um, and so also an understanding of the methods or practices of science. So how, how do scientists conduct their science? Okay. And then an understanding of the nature of science. The nature of science. The nature of science. So nature of science is an epistemology, or way of knowing how scientific... Epistemology. I'm not going to ask you to spell that, but <laughs> I, I do remember a, a philosophy class that we got hung up in that, on that word for a long time. So, so what, what do you mean epistemology? So how scientific knowledge is generated. For example, we, I, we conduct research on students and teachers' understanding of nature of science. So what does that mean? They have an understanding that science is based on empirical evidence. Empirical. Yes. Like empirical. What you can see, so what touch, you can feel, see, data. Data you're collecting, how, yeah. how it's analyzed about the natural world. So, so I'll come back. And then, um, like the tentative nature of science. We don't want people to think that science is absolute. Okay? It's as we develop a better understanding of science, as we develop a better understanding of technology, we have a different perspective of, of what we're studying. So we change our ideas a little bit. Um, science is based on uh, an understanding of theories and laws. A lot of times people think that theories grow up to become laws. I, I, I remember actually, <laughs> I think my grade school science teacher taught us that. I, I'm pretty sure yeah. my first couple years of teaching because in chapter one of a science textbook is the scientific method. And so we now don't even put the word the in front of scientific method, it's scientific methods. Okay. So scientists have have protocols that they follow, but maybe your protocol is different than my protocol. So the notion of a law, as opposed to a theory, the law is not just a theory that's been proven? No, and so we don't use the word proven either, because that leads to the absolute or thinking of science. So things that we thought were proven, maybe we come to question that at some point. We can question anything. As more evidence comes forward, then we can, we can put anything into question. Now, in order for something to become a theory or to become a law, there's a lot of supporting evidence. You know, the theory of evolution, 
you know, people are, there are some people trying to dis, disprove or, or falsify the theory of evolution. And the more times they fail at it, the stronger that theory gets. Sure, sure, okay. So now I know you teach a lot of classes and you're, you're, you're professor of science education and we have teachers that are in training trying to become teachers and they're gonna be science teachers. But in addition to, uh, um, to, to working with our OSU students who are trying to become teachers, you also do quite a bit with teachers from around the state who are already in the classroom teaching science and so forth. How does, how does that work and what are, you, what are you doing with them? So seven, eight years ago, I started working with Rob Burnell over in microbiology, microgenetics. And he asked me uh, to participate or to be a co-PI on an NSF grant. He said, would you help me with the broader impacts? And so I sat down with him and I said, listen. Okay, I said, so people who've been oh. part, of, uh, part of the OSU research on TAP, she just mentioned NSF grant and broader impacts. Can anybody do our toast that we do at the end of this? So your, may your intellect be meritorious and your impact, impact be broad. Those are, the, those are the two criteria for getting a grant from the National Science Foundation. You have to have intellectual merits, meaning your ideas have to be really good. We, we, you know, scientists, we turn everything into jargon, right? And, but you also have to have broader impacts. So Dr. Burnap said, come help me with the come broader impact. My, my intellect is sufficiently meritorious, but I need broader, broader impacts. Impact. So. so I was a high school science teacher for 25 years. 17 of those 25 years, I mentored students in research and coached them in science fair competitions. Science fairs, okay. And I said, you know, I, I explained to him that the students that went through science fair had an academic advantage. They, they received more scholarships. Um, they got to meet people from all over the, the world because they competed. They, every year, we were fortunate enough to have one or more students qualify for International Science Fair. And I said, but teachers have to be trained to do this. And so I said, what if we come up with a research experience for teachers program and where they conduct research with you, but I provide them professional development throughout the six to seven, eight weeks in the summer. So research experiences for teachers, that's a grant program that the National well, Science no, Foundation it, it, does? It is. It's a supplementary, but we were actually writing it for a regular grant, oh, for a regular proposal. For a regular proposal. And this was the broader okay. impacts of his proposal. Okay. So then the next year, Andrew Douse from Plant Biology, Ecology, and Evolution said, I want to play. And so he said, I, will, I want a teacher, plus I'm going to... Oh, he's Trump you. <laughs> I hate to use that no, word. I want to one-up you. I want to one-up you, and I want a pre-service teacher. So we placed a pre-service teacher and an in Pre-service, so that's someone who's at, at, at OSU uh, working toward becoming a teacher. Usually an undergraduate that's wanting to be a science teacher. Yeah. So we call a pre-service teacher or a PST. And so, so then we had... So we had um, Burnaps, one teacher, and a uh, Douse, teacher, pre-service teacher. And so the next year, Douse said, or Burnaps said, I want one too. So now we have two and two. And then we had Polly Campbell, who is now in California, Riverside. She said, I want in on this. And so, yeah, so it's just been snowballing and snowballing. So and now we have a research experiences for teachers For teachers program. at Oklahoma State University. So they come in in the summertime. They come in the summertime. And 
So they're just coming here to learn about how to teach science. So right? they are here for a minimum of six weeks. Six weeks. And they are in the lab all day long, Monday through Friday, except for six hours a week. They're with me for three hours on Tuesday and three hours on Thursday. So in the lab actually doing research? Doing, conducting research. And they're to a point that they are making major contributions to some of the research that's taking place here at OSU. Wow. And so then I train them how to, the research that you're doing, this is current research. Kids, kids across the state, adults across the state don't, are not even aware that this research is taking place. Because it's just, it's, it's, it's brand new. what we've just proposed, what we just got funding from the National yeah. Science Foundation to do. Absolutely. And now they're part of that research. So now I, I train teachers how to take that research and make and design a middle school or high school lesson plan. So students can mimic what's taking place in the lab. So when you, by bringing together the, the scientists with the science teachers, then you're helping those teachers turn that back into science lessons, science lessons. for their students. So you're, we're blending communities of practice. We've got science communities of practice and we've got education because communities of practice. Because being a science teacher versus being a researcher at a university, those are pretty different roles. They're very different roles. They're very different roles. The outcomes are very different, but yet we need each other. Okay, so, so when you, Helping these teachers, it's, it sounds good to me, but I'm, I'm, having, I'm still having trouble thinking about what that actually looks like. So rather than a teacher just using a book that, they've, that their school mm -hmm. provides for them to teach biology or chemistry or botany or physics or whatever it is that they are a science teacher of, they're using their own research that they participated in at OSU to be the basis of their classroom that they're providing. So what does that look like? Maybe textbook, an example or something? But In my opinion, a textbook should not drive curriculum. Standards should drive curriculum. So then teachers go out and look for or design lessons that address those state standards or national standards, depending upon if the state has adopted So you're not trying to teach a textbook, you're trying to teach knowledge or teach competency and so on. So whether you're talking about the Oklahoma science standards or the national science standards, um, NG, next Generation Science Standards, NGSS, another slang word thrown out there, a slang phrase. Um, it's based on three dimensions. Science and engineering practices, cross-cutting concepts, and disciplinary core, ide or disciplinary core ideas. Say those again. Science and engineering practices. Okay. Cross-cutting concepts, concepts that Cross-cutting concepts. So concepts that transcend across disciplines. So if you're talking about form and function, you can talk about form and function in biology, you can talk about it in chemistry, you can talk about it in physics. And then the content. And so teachers are looking for ways to, to design lessons to address all three of those dimensions of science. So you've been doing this for a while, uh -huh. helping these students. Your students are sometimes students here at OSU, but they're sometimes teachers who uh -huh. for six weeks are becoming students of this process uh -huh. uh, turn their their research into into lessons uh -huh. for their own students give us an example so probably the most current one um, i have a pre-service teacher who uh, this summer worked in um, henry adams lab and under the direction of um, bill hammond and he is doing route, uh, drought tolerance 
And so she drop tolerance research on particular on the uh, pinion pine. Opinion pine. And at okay. what point does a tree is a tree actually dead? Okay, but with climate change occurring, um, at what point should we just, in a sense, give up on a on a tree? Right. And so she took her research and number one turned it into a lesson, but used radish seeds as a model because radish seeds can grow very quickly. So and you so can do that in a shorter amount of time. Yes. Trees mm -hmm. take a little bit of time. A few more years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so in her uh, lesson plan, she, sets, she has students come up with their own experiment. What kind of environment do you want to expose your radish seeds to? And then collect data off of that and then compare that. So again, these, these students are simulating or emulating what's taking place in the lab. So what, what they're, because, lab in a class I mean this for me is all the way through college until till I was in graduate school doing my own research a science lab meant that I went into this place that looked like a lab but I wasn't doing research I was mimicking somebody else's you said methods and practices or so I was I was doing the behavior of a researcher maybe but not my so, own ideas. I was just doing so the stuff those, and seeing if yep. it turned out like it was supposed to. We call those cookbook labs. Cookbook where labs. Everybody is doing step one, step two, step three, and you're gonna if you don't get the same answer as me, then one of us is wrong. That is not how And maybe both of us and are maybe wrong. both of us. <laughs> And to be honest with you, that's how I taught the first couple of years. All of a sudden it dawned on me, like, I, I need to teach like this. And this is when inquiry teaching oh, okay. was just starting to come into the inquiry picture. Inquiry teaching. Inquiry teaching where students are inquiring about things. They're not just reading a step-by-step. -step. They're actually setting up experiments and they're conducting their own experiments. And they're choosing which data to collect and which data to analyze. So your radish experiment that mm -hmm. your teacher is doing that's that's what that is that's, that's what that is that's an inquiry based instead of lesson. just telling them what it is mm -hmm. setting it up in a way where they ask the questions and find out the answers but it's also addressing next generation science standards where those eight science and engineering practices so they're coming up with questions they're coming up with hypotheses they're setting up their own experiment they are collecting their own data they're analyzing it they're drawing conclusions and they're communicating it whether it's in a lab report or orally to a class presentation that's that's one of the things that i think gets left out of people's conception about what doing research is mm -hmm. I think we often forget about that dissemination mm -hmm. component mm -hmm. that's very critical. So, so it's not just about going in the lab and doing the work, but it's also about how, how do you tell that story? How do you, how do you share it with other you people? share that with other people so that it becomes knowledge that, that other people can act on and do the next experiment. And so, and that's another thing about the NSF, the broader impacts of the proposals that we've written is that we are disseminating number one, OSU researchers research to a broader audience, a middle school, high school, so K-12 audience. I don't do science, and a lot of our scientists here do not know how to reach out to a K-12 audience. So again, it's a perfect blending of matches those Matches those things mm -hmm. up. Okay, well you said you, said you don't do science. I mean, you don't do... Well, like, I'm not in it. I don't do test tubes yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know. But when a high school teacher moves away from this traditional methods <laughs> of teaching, 
high school, junior high, K-12, mm -hmm. and toward this more inquiry-based approach to their lessons, you do do some research on how this impacts the students. So what does that research tell you about so number one, that's very, it's very difficult for the teacher because they're so used to having a textbook and worksheets. You know, I tell my students that if I walk into your classroom and there's a worksheet in front of your students, I'm going to be furious. <laughs> um, so as I started becoming a more... So your students all love you is what you're trying to say. <laughs> or fear me, one yeah. of the two, you know. But um, so when I started becoming an inquiry-based teacher, I was very seldom in the front of the class. I was walking around, my students were talking with one another, they were, they were actively engaged in their own learning. And my principal, on a couple of occasions, he would come by, he goes, is there ever any learning taking place in your classroom? You're never in the front of the classroom. Your kids are always all over the place. Until my students started scoring really high on the state test, and he went, okay, no more. <laughs> I won't ask anymore. So, he, so equated, he equated learning with them sitting there quietly yes. and you doing all the talking. Yes. And you equate learning with them asking the questions. Asking the questions. And going and finding the answers. And discussing it. And yeah. Yes, they could have a textbook, but let, it, let that textbook be a reference book. And then how, how in that kind of context, in inquiry-based learning context, mm -hmm. do you do that last step, the dissemination piece? Is it a written piece? Is it an oral piece? So, how, do, how do they learn that piece of communicating that knowledge so that other people can use it. So um, my pre-service teachers and the RETs, they, number RETs, one, the, the research, research experience, experience for teachers. For teachers. That's my, I'm the acronym police. <laughs> in this, uh, um, yeah. They have, we've, in the past, we've had them just write lesson plans and then they go teach the lesson plan. We, we observe them teaching the lesson and we, we assess their, their teaching. How often do they, they mention nature of science or how, how do they incorporate nature of science into their lesson? But um, this last summer we had uh, one of these pre-service teachers actually write her lesson plan up and submit it as a manuscript. So, so submit it to a, a, a peer review a journal. journal. Yeah. A the scientific American, journal? The, the American biology teacher. Wow. So we don't know yet if it's been accepted, but uh, she submitted it in uh, first of all. So learning how to even turn their, their experience from this process mm -hmm. into uh, something that can be communicated to other. So something else we, talk, we do during the six hours of professional development in the summer is that, like I said, I am a fan of science fair, science and engineering fair. I want to help teachers. So we're, we're providing them with a mentored research experience. So now they're learning how to mentor their students. And then I provide them with information on how to, um, how to prepare your students for competition. And so once these students are taking some of the research that's taking place at OSU, because that's where their teacher did their research, so the faculty are actually getting more of their knowledge disseminated. Well, well, we have a couple of minutes. Let's let's talk about science fairs. Okay, so, let's talk about um, science fairs. We, <laughs> you have, uh, with with a couple of other colleagues here at OSU, have been successful in bringing the Oklahoma science fair to uh, to OSU. So, mm -hmm. what, what? Why why should we care about this? I mean, so. STEM faculty, raise your hand. STEM. What's that mean? Science, t uh, technology, uh. engineering, and mathematics. Would you like a high-quality caliber student or not? <laughs> that is why we should have. 
these are these like kids. all you single people would you like a really attractive <laughs> fun partner or not right we we want to give these bright kids opportunities we we can give them a pigskin they can run across the field or a ba what, what, basketball i don't know what it's made out of anyway go across the court but we've got to provide students. you're not a sports person i can tell <laughs> no, <I'm not. laughs> nascar ask me yeah. about nascar right. um so <laughs> I would not have put you as a NASCAR person. One, I have a, a manuscript. It's called The Physics of NASCAR Pastapods. Yeah. Wow, okay. Anyway, well, so, so we want to give these academic kids an opportunity to express themselves. And science fairs, so we now have eight regional science fairs. We had seven last year, and now we have eight. Tulsa came on board. And um, so there's, over, there's probably over 20,000 kids in the state of Oklahoma who do a science fair project and compete at the local level. And about 1,200 of those will compete at one of our eight regional science fairs. And then last March, 251 of those came to state science fair. And that's now here at OSU, here at OSU. as of OSU. last Fantastic. year. Yeah. It, for over 40 years, it was at East Central University, and the uh, State Department reached out and said, would you take it over? And I, I don't know if I'm even supposed to announce this, because it's so new, but we are working on a process, and all the deans have agreed. Can I say this, Dean Wilson? All the deans have agreed that every one of those 251 students who come here and participate in the State Science Fair will be given a voucher for an OSU scholarship. Wow. <laughs> that is so. wonderful. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Angle. Some of the other research on TAP guests have been experts on brain stimulation, E. coli, big data, alcohol use in teenagers, engineered lung models, even national dances in Spain, and there are many more to come. You can find out about future OSU research on TAP events and attend them live. Just follow us on Facebook or go to research.okstate.edu. And you can view our archived installments on OSTATE TV. Just go to research in the About OSU section. And that's it for this episode. I'm Dr. Kenneth Sewell. Join us next time for another Inside OSU podcast.